Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to the Metabolic Classroom, a nutrition and lifestyle podcast focused on the truth behind why we get sick and fat. What you're about to hear was taken from a live broadcast streamed on InsulinIQ.com. The Metabolic Classroom is brought to you by InsulinIQ and by Health Code Meal Replacement Shakes. Episode 11, Are You Making Your Fat Cells Hungry? Long-term restriction of calories seems like the simplest answer to losing weight. Eat less, weigh less, right? However, this approach ignores the serious consequences that chronic calorie restriction has on your fat cells and hormones. This week, Dr. Ben Bickman and the Insulin IQ team explain the metabolic reasons why getting healthier is not just about calories. This is a study that I've actually had in the back of my mind for years, and, and I, would, I would remember it and, and then forget about it, remember it and forget about it. And then with the new year, and knowing, of course, a lot of resolutions will be based on controlling body weight as they should be, that's the good just to, that's a good a New Year's resolution. It's also more timely than ever as we are worried about COVID-19 and, and the obvious uh, data that suggests that having too much body fat is the single greatest um, or, or most relevant pre-existing condition in determining who has a very serious reaction or who doesn't. Of course, there's a lot of nuance there, but nevertheless, that's what the best available data in the U.S. suggests. So as people are making efforts to lose weight, this study uh, really serves as a sobering reminder to not attempt long-term weight loss through caloric restriction. Now, let's let me kind of set the stage here. So, this study um, involved a really mix, a good mix of of human subjects and human intervention with some really cool 
um, biochemistry. And on the biochemistry side of this study, they looked at the expression and activity, and that's the most important variable, really, how active this particular enzyme was. And this enzyme is called lipoprotein lipase. This is the main, the main enzyme that will pull fats from the blood, <clears throat> whether it's fat that is being um, released from the liver when the liver is making new fat, or whether it's fo uh, following a meal um, when the fat gets it's packaged into what's called triglyceride-rich lipoproteins. So this, this enzyme, lipoprotein lipase, will see the passing triglyceride molecules, the main form of passing and storing fat around, and it will pull the fatty acids off of it, if you will, and then allow them to be transported into the cells. This is the main mechanism whereby fat cells get big and stay big. In the earliest stages, this might be a topic for another time, when a fat cell is really small and just growing, if you will, it, uses, it makes its own fat from, from glucose. And then once it gets to a bigger size, now it's growing and maintaining by just pulling in fat and storing the fat, not making it from scratch, but pulling it in. So lipoprotein lipase matters for the growth, maintenance, and shrinking of, of fat cells, of course, because in the end, you'd want to be pulling in less than you're letting out of the fat cell if you want that fat cell to shrink. So they had these ladies, uh, uh, during the course of this study, they pulled fat biopsies, some things we do here as well in my lab, but then they measured the, the activity of this enzyme, lipoprotein lipase, to just see how busy are these fat cells in pulling fat off during the course of this intervention. And the intervention <clears throat> was a low-calorie weight loss study. So they took these overweight women, all of the subjects were women, and then they had them go on to a very low calorie diet over the course of three months. And of course, as you might expect, when they were eating about a thousand calories a day, which is very low, they lost a lot of weight. And then for the following three months, they kept them there on a very low calorie diet to maintain that, that state of weight loss. Because of course, if, you, if whatever dietary intervention you do to lose weight, you need to keep doing it to keep the weight off generally. When you start to go back to the way you were eating, you'll go back to the way you were weighing. So they had three time points. <clears throat> they took a fat biopsy at the beginning of the study, a fat biopsy at the end of the initial period of weight loss in that kind of three-month window, and then a fat biopsy three months later with the sustained uh, weight loss. And then... Um, in this, what they did, if someone has access, if they're looking at the study, in, in figure one, they, they looked at this in different conditions. And the first was they looked at it in fasting conditions. So the women come, came in fasting, and then they pulled these fat biopsies and measured the activity of lipoprotein lipase. And it kind of went something like this, where at the beginning of the fast, uh, the beginning of the study before the weight loss, these um, LPL was active at the rate of, of these units were, you know, five, basically sort of a, a rate of five. I just, I'm giving it that value. That's the value, but it's these equivalents of activities. So it was giving this activity score of five at the initial time of weight loss. So right after the weight loss was achieved in this fasting state, lipoprotein lipase had gone down by about half. In fact, almost exactly half. And then as this weight loss was sustained, LPL during a fasted state, LPL went back up to where it had been, even though they weighed less. So there was this period of time during the immediate weight loss where LPL was less active. So the fat cells were physically pulling in or pulling in less of the fat that was flowing by and then dumping it 
in, you know, allowing it to be stored into the fat cell. Now that's interesting. Again, that is in the fasted state, but that's where, that's where the, the nice side of this ends because you'd say, well, that's benign enough. LPL activity went back up to where it had been uh, in a fasted state. I agree. In a fasted state, it looks like they just got back to where they were. However, things really get ugly um, in, a, in two other follow-ups. In a subsequent <clears throat> um, study, they gave the people an infusion of insulin just to mimic as if they'd eaten an insulin-spiking meal. <clears throat> this matters because for LPL to be turned on, insulin must be elevated. This has ramifications, of course, within the low-carb or low-fat diets. Um, all the more reason we focus on insulin with Insulin IQ. Insulin is a necessary stimulus in, in activating LPL. So in these ladies, they gave them this insulin um, in, infusion, and then, uh, then things really took off, where in the state of immediate weight loss, um, the, the activity, so the first weight loss state, the activity of LPL went up a little bit. It was a very modest, uh, marginally significant change. However, as the weight loss was continued over the following three months, with that insulin infusion, lipoprotein lipase was now eight times more active in response to that insulin than, than it had been before. So the efforts of these women to sustain their weight, their, their weight loss with very low-calorie diets, their fat cells had become eight times more sensitive to insulin turning on LPL. In other words, insulin was eight times better at telling those fat cells to store Fat. It's almost like the fat cells were hungrier. They were more eager to pull in this fat. And if that wasn't bad enough, in figure five, they showed what happened when, the, when, the, when these women just ate a, a mixed macronutrient meal. So the first part of it was just infusing insulin. This follow-up was just giving them a meal and then looking at after the meal, pulling fat biopsies and measuring the rate at which LPL was acting. And this time, whereas insulin alone bumped it up to about eight times higher than normal. Um, now, after the meal in this now kind of chronic several month into sustained weight loss with low calorie, it was now 12 times higher. LPL was 12 times better at, at pulling in fat from the blood and storing it in the fat cell. So that's my, my comment about the fat cells being hungrier in this state, of course, I'm using that term to be a little provocative, but I base it on these findings, on these last two um, observations in, in figures uh, three and five, which was, you know, especially five after the meal, just a normal mixed macro, macronutrient meal, carbohydrates, proteins, fats, the fat cells were 12 times better than they were before, um, even though they weigh less. They weigh less and now their fat cells are hungrier, you know, 12 times hungrier than they were before, 12 times better at pulling fat in from the blood to store into the fat cell. And that, wow. that's the gist of the study. Um, but hopefully a bit of a sobering, um, uh, not reminder, because some people wouldn't have known this, but a, a sobering lesson uh, where we need to be careful in how we're losing weight. And if we're, if we're trying to reach sustained weight loss by following the old maxim of eat less, exercise more, we really are following the pattern outlined in this study, which explicitly found fat cells are become 12 times better in these ladies 
um, at, at storing fat. We don't want that to happen. We want the inverse. And as the follow-up to this, I'm not going to cite the studies. There are other studies that have done this. We want to turn down the activity of LPL in the fat cell, but that fat has to go somewhere. You can't just turn off LPL at the fat cell. Otherwise, your triglycerides in your blood start to climb, and that's, that's not good. That's atherogenic, um, very likely, contributing to the development of atherosclerotic plaques. So you want that fat to go somewhere. And if you can lower insulin, like, say, through a low-carbohydrate diet, you selectively turn down the LPL in the fat cell, and you turn it up in the muscle cells your muscle cells start to express more lipoprotein lipase and they become the new sink, if you will, or the engine that is, that is, that can, you can pour that fat into uh, to be burned. So we, I'll do that as a follow-up sometime. I'll highlight that specific study. It's by a scientist with the last name of Greenwood, but it's pretty compelling. Back to this study, don't make your fat cells hungry by starving the body. Um, in contrast, uh, let the, uh, let the fat cells naturally just start, be, well, they become less relevant. You just simply aren't depositing fat in them. And that best happens when insulin comes down rather than just trying to deprive the body of energy overall. Hmm. Wow. Interesting yeah, take pretty on, neat, huh? yeah, no wow. kidding. Who would have who thunk that uh, fat cells yeah. were so darn smart, huh? So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a study, I think I've mentioned it on here before, but there's a study where they took a group of women who severely restricted calories, same thing, a thousand calories. They did it for eight weeks um, and looked at their ghrelin hormone a year. They did it in certain increments, but including a year after this severe caloric restriction and same thing, even a more direct making your fat cells hungry. They, they said that the ghrelin hormone was higher a year after the caloric restriction than it was when they started. So it just goes to show once you've gained weight, this is kind of a sad fact, but once you've gained weight, you will be fighting that weight for a long time. Um, the gift that keeps on giving. You, yeah. Especially if you try and get rid of it through caloric restriction and we're, we're hardwired to survive the next famine. So that, you know, in, in any other society that isn't full of gluttony and the ability to, you know, get our hands on whatever we want, this would, this mechanism or these mechanisms that our body, uh, you know, is utilizing would be a good thing. But in our society where we just have too much abundance, we see it as a bad thing. So. And mind you, Carly, not just our society, it's a global problem. Right, right, now. right. If it started in the U.S., oh, nice. we are so good at exporting all our vices and, and virtues. And the comment you made about muscle, um, this might explain, you know, most people who've gone to school, who've studied nutrition and exercise and all that, I think would tell you, oh, you can't gain muscle without exercising. Exercise is the means to gain muscle. But in our um, with our clients, we always, we often will see people gain muscle over the course of say three months, six months, um, with, even without exercise, we watch that. Do you think that's a, uh, uh, you know, product of what you're saying? That, what a, what a great, mm -hmm. um, observation. I, I will say if, if assuming what you're seeing is real, there is evidence by, um, Jeff Volick. Um, when he was at Connecticut, uh, where they published a paper 
reporting an increase in lean body mass following a low carbohydrate diet. So an exercise was not part of the intervention. So I'd say there's a precedent for that. It's hard for me to imagine um, the mechanism um, other than there must be some um, rebound increase in growth hormone, um, which, which certainly can happen in low carbohydrate diets. Uh, but I, I'd say there is a paper that's been published on that exact topic. Well, you should expect the opposite when you're lowering your insulin. You should expect to see, you know, your muscles shrink as far as... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's debated. Down. Yeah, the, the role of insulin as a genuinely anabolic hormone at the muscle is a little unclear. I heard someone once say it this way, and I'm quoting whoever it was. Insulin, rather than being anabolic at the muscle, is better thought of as being anti-catabolic. It simply defends the muscle proteins uh, uh, rather than force, rather than promoting their synthesis. I don't, I don't really know how accurate either of those views is, um, but I, I would just say I actually I, I lean into it um, simply because I hate the idea of people abusing. I'd, I'd rather have a bodybuilder abusing testosterone than insulin, frankly. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, Ben, thank you for for that uh, discussion. Any other? Yeah, the more, the more you know. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. We have a few people that have asked questions specific to what you've been talking about. We take a couple awesome. of those. Yeah. Uh, from Edith. So what happened? So you made mention about the fat that doesn't get stored. So Edith is asking, so what happens to the fat that doesn't get stored in those fat cells? Yeah, yeah. So it there, there it has to be accounted for. This is why I wince a little bit when I hear people only talking. Uh, for example, I was talking to people who were saying, um, "We just in order to prevent insulin resistance, we simply need to make sure fat cells can't grow." And I said, "Ah, oh, well, that would probably um, prevent insulin resistance at the muscle. But then, what do you do with that fat? It's got to do something. It's got to go somewhere. It must be accounted for." And so I, I think I addressed that at the end by noting that um, if insulin is low, LPL expression at the muscle is up. And, and so the muscle becomes the, the user of that fat. And indeed, if insulin is low, the muscle isn't storing it, it is burning it. Uh, because low insulin state facilitates the use of fat as a fuel, not only the mobilization of the fat, but the use of the fat as a fuel. So it's not like the muscles are just pulling it in to store it. Nope, that's not the case. It's pulling it in to burn it. Mm. Follow up. Can I ask yeah. a follow up question? Could fat cells do the same thing you've talked before about how our our white adipose tissue kind mm. of acts like brown brown fat? Could that be contributing there? Yo, certainly. Um, I don't know the degree to which <clears throat> newly pulled in fat would be fueling this shift, but you're right. Um, uh, in a low insulin, higher ketone state. Uh, the metabolic rate in our white fat cells, um, it, namely our subcutaneous fat cells, the fat beneath our skin that we pinch and jiggle, we, we reported a study last year that metabolic rate increased by two to three times in people that were in ketosis. And in fact, Rich contributed a fat sample to that study. Rich, bless your heart for being such a brave study subject. Awesome. Um, Jack was going to, but he didn't have enough fat. We had to turn him down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and he didn't want to, Jack, actually, the truth is Jack, Jack declined because he didn't want to scar to, to interrupt his speedo season coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 that will, that will look terrible on my calendar of myself. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, 
Uh, Carly, I actually really forgot what I was intending to say, <laughs> but yeah, oh, fat cell. Yeah, the fat cell could be uh, a, a, a more a more readily more readily burning its own fat, um, but but nothing nothing to the degree that the muscle would. It would be orders of magnitude difference between them. The muscle would really be the main place. Okay. There's a follow up to that uh, that question, Ben. Is what you're referring to the same effect when one does intermittent fasting or fasting? Um, uh, yeah, pr probably. I don't know of a, of a study that explicitly looked at fasting changes. But yeah, I would think insofar as insulin really dictates these. Um, people may think, boy, Ben, get a new hobby. But when it just comes to human um, nutrient metabolism, insulin just really is... Um, the king. Not that there aren't other players. There are, but uh, when insulin is low, um, lipoprotein lipase activity and expression and every other enzyme related to fat uptake and, and fat storage in the adipocyte will simply be turned off. There's, there's just no way around that fact. Insulin is absolutely essential to those processes. So yes, with an intermittent fast, I, uh, I would suspect that's the same case. Uh, in fact, let me let me go off on a moment with that. Carly had had mentioned ghrelin, which is this the prototypical hunger hormone that promotes hunger. Um, a study was just published, I think, within the last week or two, that compared two groups: um, intermittent fasting versus chronic low calorie. Uh, you know, these two different diets where again the chronic low calorie would be like the average person who says, oh, "I need to lose weight. I'm going to start." you know, a low calorie, low fat diet. And then they looked at this intermittent fasting group, which was calorie unrestricted, but it was eating windows as people would typically think of, or multi-day fasts, like every two weeks or something like that. Um, and, and they found that in the, the fasting group, they had significantly lower ghrelin. And then to, to say, state that in a different way, the chronic low calorie group had significantly higher ghrelin levels than the fasting, the intermittent fasting group, suggesting that these are people who are going to have to be fighting with hunger much more than the fasting group. And hunger always, almost always wins, I would say. But all the more reason to kind of do low carb, yeah. where, where the maxim, the adage, right, Rich, it's, it's eat yeah. when you're hungry. Don't eat when you're not hungry. That is the foundation of our program. Yeah, it's, it's liberating. All, all roads always seem to point back. To the, no matter how many times we discuss the variations on this topic, it seems like all roads point back to the same few answers, don't they? Yeah, yeah, that's know, right. I know. Thank you for listening to The Metabolic Classroom. This podcast is brought to you by Insulin IQ. Nutrition and Lifestyle Coaching for Insulin Control and Better Health. Learn more at InsulinIQ.com. And by Health Code, the world's healthiest and most delicious meal replacement shake. Learn more at GetHealth, that's G-E-T-H-L-T-H dot com. Find us on Facebook and YouTube at InsulinIQ. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.